Take the blood and strike it on the two side posts and the upper door posts of the houses wherein you shall eat it. And they shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I pass over Egypt. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, and our conviction is that the Word of God has never changed and never will. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God gave the people instructions on what to do to escape the coming judgment by God. They were to apply the blood of the Lamb to their own doorposts. God said that when He sees the blood, He would pass over their home and not judge them with death. The fact to be noted is that blood needed to be applied. It was not the blood in the basin that covered them, but the blood applied by faith that secured their salvation from God's own judgment. Believing God's word, they escaped God's judgment. Now by placing your faith in Jesus Christ, God guarantees he will save you from your sins and from his wrath to come. Dr. Mitchell shares more on this truth concerning redemption by the blood of Jesus Christ for you and me on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. Today, friends, again, it is our joy and delight to come to you. I sincerely hope that you are reading your Bible. Read along with us. Read it over and over again. Get your mind saturated with the events which we're reading because out of those comes instructions for us today. You remember, uh, these things were written for our admonition unto whom the end of the age has come. The Spirit of God who wrote through the Apostle Paul the epistles to the church is the same blessed Spirit that wrote through Moses as he wrote the Pentateuch. And you can't read this without realizing that this is written by an eyewitness. He was right there. Now, we're dealing with the instructions of the Passover in chapter 12, and we were discussing in our last lesson the instructions from verses 3 to 11 that redemption is to be by blood. I know there are those who do not believe in this question of redemption by blood, but my friend, it's not a question of what you think is right or wrong, it's what God has declared. And by the way, may I say this in passing? Uh, It's not your conception. It's not the value, shall I say, the value that you put upon the blood of Christ. It's the great value that God has put upon the blood of his Son. 
as we shall see in the passage. Now, from verse 3 on through, we took, we, in our last lesson, we were dealing with the fact that we were to take a lamb, keep it from the 10th to the 14th day, to prove it was a lamb without blemish and without spot. A marvelous picture of our Savior, who is the Lamb of God. And you remember that our Lord was tested in all points as we are, yet without sin. Our Lord was not tested to see if he could sin. Our Lord was tested to prove to you and to me that he was sinless. He could say to his enemies in John 8, 46, I do, which one of you convinceth me of sin? He didn't say this to his friends, to his enemies. And as I said in our last lesson, the, his friends wrote of him by the Spirit of God that he knew no sin, he was without sin. In him is no sin, he did no sin. I quote from 2 Corinthians 5.21, Hebrews 4.15, 1 John 3, 5, 1 Peter 2, 22, and so on. He's without sin, knew no sin, did no sin, and so on. He was a fit sacrifice. And as I said, the wages of sin is death. Uh, Romans 6, 23. The soul that sinneth, it shall die, Jeremiah. But Christ didn't sin. There was no sin in him, there was no sin on him. How then could he die? Because you can't separate sin and death. Wherever sin is, you find death. Wherever you find death, you find sin. See, there was no need for blood in, the, in creation. There was no sin there. But the moment sin entered, then death came in. The moment Adam and Eve sinned, death came in. In the day thou eatest thereof, you shall surely die. But Christ didn't sin. He knew no sin, did no sin. Why did he die? Because he loved you, my friend. He loved me. You see, God still loves men and women. I don't care what their condition is. Why doesn't God come in his judgments and his wrath upon men? God is righteous. God is holy. Oh, but you say God is love. Yes. But how did he demonstrate that love? By sending his son to die for you, to remove the barrier between you and God. Oh, how we love to sing it. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through his infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. One lamb, for you notice it says in verse 6, and the congregation of Israel shall kill it. The whole assembly shall kill it, not them, but it. There's only one lamb. There's only one assembly. There's just one Savior. If I were to go to John chapter 17, toward the end of the chapter from, say, verse 21 on, you'll notice how often Jesus in his prayer talked about that we might be one. We might be one. The world may know that we're one. We're not half a dozen churches, we're not a dozen churches, not a hundred churches. There might be scores of different denominations and different organizations, but there's only one real church, just like you have here. There were many families in Israel, but only one lamb, one lamb for the whole assembly. It was looked upon as one lamb. So each family took a lamb, 
the whole thing, and the whole assembly of Israel shall kill it. There's only one church. As Hebrews says, the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You can belong to a Christian organization down here and not know the Savior. In fact, I would say very, I want to say it kindly, there are many, many churches that are nothing else but religious clubs. The person of Christ is on the outside. Oh, let me make it clear to you, and I know I say it over and over again, there can be no life apart from relationship. If I want eternal life, I must be related to someone who is eternal, and that's God. And isn't it wonderful that a holy, righteous God has made the provision whereby you and I can come into his presence and become his children and receive life, life eternal, life abundant, through one who put away the barrier between us. Don't you forget that when Christ Jesus died on the cross, the most important thing he did on the cross was the satisfaction of the holy, righteous character of God. So what you have in Romans 3.25, God set him forth to be a propitiation through faith in his body. The divine satisfaction with the work of Christ. And I say again, it's not what men think about Christ. It's not what men think about the blood of Christ. It's not what men think about the death and resurrection of Christ. What God sees is the important thing. And I'm going to take what God sees and what God says. I'm not going to take man's word for it. That's why you have here this question of the lamb being without blemish and without spot. Now, in verse 7, you shall take the blood and strike it on the two side posts and the upper door posts of the houses wherein you shall eat it. You go over into the chapter, into verse 22, and they shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, strike the lintel and the two side posts, with the blood that is in the basin, and none of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he see that the blood, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in. Or you have it over here in verse, in verse 13. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I pass over Egypt. You see, the blood must be applied. And by the way, uh, in verse 22, the hyssop is the personal application and speaks of faith. And believe me, they had to have faith. Here they see the power of God demonstrated in Egypt, uh, and you see the growing animosity of the Egyptians toward Israel. Get rid of them. Let's get out of here. Otherwise, there'll be none of us left. And now Moses and Aaron came and said, this is it. You take a lamb. You should kill the lamb. You put the blood in a basin. Take a bunch of hyssop. And apply it to the side post and the lintel of the door. And then go into your houses until morning. And that night, God's going to pass over Egypt. And wherever he finds a house where there's no blood, the death angel is going to come. You see, 
the blood must be applied. It was the blood that secured Israel's safety and peace. We need to mark this. They acknowledged that their, their judgment was upon the Lamb. There's no personal merit here. Believe me, it called for faith, personal application. The blood must be applied. You remember, we have that in Ephesians chapter 2, 13 to 14. You who were far off have been made nigh by the blood of Christ. And he goes on to speak of how, of how the Lord came and made peace for us through the blood on the cross, through his sacrifice. Peace was made. And we enjoy peace, as Romans 5, 1 says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Safety and peace is dependent upon being under the sacrifice. Colossians 1, 20, where we were reconciled through the blood of his cross. Hebrews 9, 22, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. 1 John 1, 7, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, shall cleanse you from all sin. I'm repeating these verses for the simple reason that there are those today who will rule out the blood of Christ. And my friend, let me say to you today, the great thing at the cross is the fact that Jesus poured out his life for you and for me. That when Christ died on the cross, he died for the whole man. I'm well aware of the fact that he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's true that he said in Matthew 26, Now is my soul exceeding troubled, even unto death. He said that in the garden. Now I know that on the cross, there was separation from him and God. God in his governmental dealings with his son, the sinless one, when he bore your sin and my sin, he turned his face from his son. Separation. And by the way, that's what death is, separation. For example, Ephesians chapter 2, 1 says, You hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And the unsaved man has life. But he's separated from God. That's spiritual death. And until one accepts the provision that God has made in Jesus Christ, we never have spiritual life. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. It was the blood on the door that made security for Israel. And the hyssop speaks of the personal application of each individual family. The man went out, took the hyssop, and applied the blood to the disciples. Then he had to go into the house, close the door. You know, they tell the story, I suppose it's been handed down, that a Jew had his family, and they were around eating the lamb, and so on, getting ready, the stuff in their hands, unleavened bread, and so on. And the firstborn son, the firstborn child, said to the father, Dad, are you sure that the blood is on the, bo- on the, on the doorpost and the lint of the door? Said, my, my son, I gave, I gave orders that it should be applied. But the boy is very, very, very... Uh, rest us and said, Dad, do you mind, can I go out and see if it's on the doorpost? And the father, to, to kind of to, 
kind of quality fear in the boy's heart, took him out, and behold, there was the um, there was the hyssop, there was the bull, but there was no blood on the side post. So he took the hyssop and applied the blood and the side post, the lintel of the door, and the boy went in with his dad. Perfect peace. Ah, yes, my friend. There is no peace. There is no security unless you're in Christ. I said very bluntly, dogmatically, God has made the provision for men and women to be delivered from the death angel. And just as Israel was under the sheltered blood of the Lamb, so Israel was under the sheltered blood of the Lamb in that day, and we today under Christ. For it says, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And verse 13, And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Notice, please. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. You know, yeah, this, this gives assurance. Not what I say it again, not what you see. It's what God sees. The assurance of it. When I, the living God, See the blood, I will pass over you. He doesn't say, when I see your goodness, when I see your personal merit. No. The lamb has been provided, but there must be personal application. You see, there must be obedience. As Paul speaks, the obedience of the gospel. And it doesn't say, when you see the blood. I repeat it, it's when I see the blood. I will pass over you. May I suggest, can I, be, can I visualize this? Here are two families in Israel. Just suppose here are two families. One family is having perfect peace, living in anticipation of deliverance. And the other, they, they put the blood on the lintel of the door on the side post, but they've got little appetite for the feast. There's not that, there's not that peace of heart. Now, both families are saved. Both families are safe. One family is enjoying feeding on the lamb. The other one has lost their appetite. They're scared. We may I remind you, it's the work of Christ for us that makes us safe. Not the work of Christ in me. The work of Christ in me makes me happy. The work of Christ in me, that gives me assurance. That gives the experiential side of it. It's the work of Christ for me. Oh, to make it clear, it's what Christ has done for us. That's the issue. Not the work of Christ in me. When Christ died on the cross, he did something for me. He reconciled me to God. He redeemed me from sin. He satisfied God's righteous character for us. And I say again, it's the work of Christ for us. That makes us safe. People say, well, if you only had a certain experience. No, my friend. No, my friend. I'm not against experiences. It's the work of Christ for us. Christ is a complete, eternal Savior. You can't add to what his work is. He finished the job. He made it safe. You know, John 17, 4, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, 
Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have finished the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify thou me with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I'm quoting verses 3 to 5 of John 17. Take John 19, 30. On the cross he cried out, It is finished. He can't add to that which is finished. He finished the work for us. The Holy Spirit doesn't fit us for heaven. It's the work of Christ that makes us fit for heaven. 1 John 4, 17. I'll never forget when I saw that verse the first time. I kicked the skies. Where John writes in 1 John 4, 17, we have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Or take Hebrews 10, 14. By the one offering he hath perfected forever those whom you set apart, whereof the Holy Spirit is a witness to us. What I'm trying to get to your heart, my friend, is this fact. The work of Christ for us makes us safe. The Spirit of God in us fits us for service. The Spirit of God in us encourages us for fellowship. Like Zechariah 4, 6, not by power, not by might, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Ah, that's the work of Christ in me, through me, to the world in which I live. But it's the work of Christ for us that makes us safe. And these two families say, I'm just taking this out, two families say in Israel there in Egypt, they both had the blood on the door, they both were under covenant blood. They both believed what Moses said, but one was enjoying the lamb and the other one wasn't. One was having an anticipation of deliverance from Egypt. The other one didn't know whether they was just hungrily waiting for morning to come to see if the angel which passed over Egypt had passed them by. Again, I come back. God says, when I see the blood, not when I see your goodness, not when I see how religious you are, not when I see your service, not when I see what experiences you have, but when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Oh, friend, I want this to be clear in your mind. You see, Paul could write in Romans 4, 5, to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. His faith shall be counted for righteousness. But weren't there some bad Jews among them? Yes, there were some bad Jews there too. They weren't all good Jews by any means. In fact, I wonder about whether there was much difference between the Israelites and the Egyptians. Because you remember when they came into the wilderness, Aaron up made them a molten calf, give them gods. And you have, you have idolatry and moral corruption when they were in the wilderness. Where did they learn it from? From Egypt. Now, I'm not going to try and balance one against the other. To look, a righteous God looking down upon Israel and looking down upon Egypt, I wonder if he saw much difference when it came to the question of relationship with God. But God gave them, them instructions. God said, you do this and I'll save you. And they applied the blood, the sacrifice. And God did not say, when I see your character, when I see your religious exercises, when I see your goodness, when I see this, when I see that. Oh, no. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Christ is the only Savior, my friend. I want this to be very clear in your mind. 
That's what, that's what uh, Jesus said in John 10, 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Or Peter says, you remember in, in Acts 4, 12, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. A word to you Christians. Are you enjoying peace? Oh, so many Christians are, are worried, worried. Am I really saved? Am I really saved? If I was saved, wouldn't I have this and wouldn't I have the other thing? My friend, listen, Christ is the Savior, 100% Savior. And if you have put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, and I don't care who you are or what you are, you put Jesus, mean business with God, he means business with you. And if you really put Jesus Christ is the object of your faith and trust. You're just as safe as the Apostle Paul. Again, I come back. It's the work of Christ for us that's important. I'm not minimizing the work of Christ in me. That's something else. That's the experiential side of salvation. But the ground for our salvation is what Christ accomplished. And he said, it's finished. I have finished the work you gave me to do. Now you glorify the Lord today, will you? You put your trust in Him. And believer, enjoy the Savior today. And the Lord bless you for His name's sake. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. The Unchanging Word is dependent on the support of our listeners. You can write us at The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word, Radio Bible study. Life begins at Calvary.